0: aspect of our worship service. This morning I'd like to continue that thought and look at an aspect of uh, our worship this morning that we've already observed several times. I'd like to uh, entitle my meditation this morning, Worship in Prayer. And uh, I was impressed as those words uh, jumped out to me off the Sunday School quarterly, and Samuel prayed. It's a re- uh, affirmation of uh, what our response needs to be. You know, we didn't have prayer meeting last week. I think we had a men's meeting Tuesday evening. This coming week, we won't have prayer meeting. We're having a fish fry. And uh, maybe you had a prayer meeting on the lake yesterday. I'm not sure when the light glasses left. <laughs> Anybody go in after them? Didn't hear that story. Uh, so I guess if anybody catches a fish over there wearing a pair of glasses, check with Mark. Huh? Well, our typical worship service has at least five prayers. Uh, there are some congregations that start with an invocation. That's the first thing I do. And we have in the past, I can remember when we were smaller, I can remember times Brother Samuel sometimes would open the service and uh, open it with a prayer. Nothing, certainly nothing wrong with that. We open our services now with three selections of songs. So it hasn't always been that way necessarily, but uh, our schedule has somewhat standardized itself a little more and we open with uh, three selections of song and then we have a devotional meditation and usually that's followed by what we would call a a prayer after the devotional uh, meditation. Then we have a prayer, we just had a prayer before the offering, the lifting of the offering, which I think is very appropriate. And then sometimes we have a prayer before, I did not do that this morning, usually one of the others opens the service, but sometimes we'll have a prayer before the message, and then we have a, uh, a prayer, oftentimes a kneeling prayer after the message, and then we have a, a standing prayer, a benediction at the end. So we do uh, a lot of different variations in our congregation, probably more than, than when I, where I grew up, uh, there was, all the prayers would have been kneeling prayers. And uh, with with the exception of the benediction prayer, that was always a standing prayer. Uh, I like it. I, I think it's good. Uh, some of our prayers are just simply seated, bowed head, closed eyes. We have a kneeling prayer at the conclusion of our message, typically, and then we have a standing prayer of benediction. I'm not saying one position is necessarily right or wrong, but we do have variation, and we have, uh, I guess I like that personally myself. That's just a personal expression there. But... Uh, I'd like to look at some aspects of prayer. As a matter of fact, before we get into the message here this morning, we're going to do something just a little bit different. Is our usher back in? Mm-hmm. Jeremiah, would you do something for me? Would you go out and ask him for the offering basket? And uh, I want you to take here, Take, take these along. Take a slip of paper. Uh, pass them out in the offering basket. What I want you to do, as I'm sharing about prayer this morning, we didn't have a prayer meeting last week, and uh, I don't know if there's enough for everybody, but nobody's under any obligation. Just You can use just one basket if you want. Pass it by and let them pick a slip of paper. What I want you to do is write a prayer request on that. Sure, a prayer request, if you're so inclined. You're not obligated. Uh, but uh, at the conclusion of our service, we're going to take just a few minutes and, uh, and uh, take a look at those requests. If you're going to pass the basket, we'll collect the requests back up again. And uh, then we'll, uh, if we run out, we can try and make some more. My uh, first point is that I, prayer is a mark of identity. Uh, turn to Acts chapter 9. So as I'm sharing. Uh, I thought about moving the whiteboard to the back and you could get up, give you a little break of exercise and write your request on the board. But I thought, well, that might be a little distracting. So I thought, well, this is maybe a better choice. So we will pass out from baskets somewhere near the end of the service and and collect up. If you have any requests, if we have too many requests, we may just have to randomly pick a few out and and I'll save the rest for Wednesday evening sometime. Uh, I'll I'll read them all and uh, you can remember them personally as well. Prayer is a mark of identity. Looking at Acts chapter 9, I'd like to read verses 1 through 11. This is a conversion of Saul. And uh, there was an interesting thought here that I, I was impressed with. I, I thought God gave it as a distinct mark of identity uh, on Saul, or later known as Paul, as the, what he was doing here. Verse 11 is the key verse that I want, but I'm going to read the entire verses there surrounding that Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogue, that if he found any of this way, notice he called them any of this way, are we of this way? Whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecuted stonomi i thought about just just side note here i thought about Saul when we were talking about that question back there uh does does god over, override our uh our choices our free choices here it seems like god maybe would have it's, it's he struck him down and uh, and sometimes god does arrest us in the way we're going and uh, certainly Saul thought he was doing what was right. And, and God, I believe, knew that. And he, he knew that if he could get Saul to stop that, there would be a change. God knows that. Verse 5, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him set the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquiring the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus for behold he prayeth I thought that was impressive here God used that as an identifying mark uh, he said you'll know who it is and I, it may be that Ananias knew would have known him he said I, he knew some about him he said he's, I've heard about this man and he's later on there in the verse he says that you know, he's, he's a bad guy to deal with do I want to go there? But uh, so I don't know why God particularly gave that identifying mark on Saul. But He said He's praying. It may have been that He was trying to convince Ananias that this this man's different. He's changed. He's praying. Do people know me? Do people know us at Prairie Mennonite as praying people? Uh, just a question I, I like to arrest your thinking. Would that could that be used as a mark of identity for us when we face a difficult? When we face the undesirable, when we face problems like Samuel faced in the Sunday school lesson, you know, what's our first recourse? Would it be written of us in the annals of history? Would it be told of us in the in the in in the ages past or the ages to come rather that they prayed, that we prayed, and probably all of us have had this experience. This is just one of the experiences I had to think about. You know, there's times that we're eating, we're traveling, wherever. Uh, and you pray at a restaurant uh, you know it's appropriate that's a that's time we give thanks and uh, you know I can remember on different occasions that you know as we were eating and we prayed that people commented about you know the families that uh, still observe that appreciation of thanks to God for, for their food and you know I've, I've sensed that too as I've Eat at out in the restaurants, and you observe other people bowing their heads and praying, it gives you kind of a, a warm feeling, doesn't it? When you observe that, it gives you a feeling of appreciation that there's somebody yet that recognizes that this provisions didn't just come out of my paycheck, out of my pocketbook, but it's the Lord that has provided. To me, that's impressive. It's a simple thing, very very simple thing, but yet it's it, it's something that is at least in our culture, in our time is, is understood a prayer of thanks, prayer of appreciation for what God has done for you it's a mark of identity, it's an opportunity we have to, to identify that we are God's children just, uh, it's interesting to notice you know, Saul's response here, you know, in verse 5 Lord, who art thou Lord? And Lord said I am Jesus whom thou persecutest and uh, Paul's response there trembling and astonished uh, and then he clearly follows the Lord's directions, and uh, they led him by the hand. And uh, you know how. And then he says he was praying, so it gave an identification mark there for Ananias, as he uh, was to come and to minister to him. And uh, you know the channel that was the prayer was the channel that established the the, the avenue of ministry. And uh, I think that's sometimes what we miss. We, you know, the prayer was the avenue through which that channel was established. And uh, we need to keep that channel. We may not know always the full circumstances. All of God told, I believe, Ananias some of the situation here. But it seems like, uh, you know, he told him, he said, "I have. he's a chosen vessel of mine. I, I had a work for him to do. And he wanted Ananias to, uh, to use, to... Uh, minister to him in that way. You know, I think a prayer, at, as you're out traveling on the road, perhaps, or eating in restaurants, whatever the case, it can be a silent prayer. can be an audible, can be an audible prayer. In, in my home, typically our, our mealtime prayers were silent, with the exception of when we had company at times, but typically they were silent. One of the things I remember... Um, our neighbor elderly neighbor, neighbor where we live currently there by Dodge Center since they both passed on but I remember on occasion before they go south for the winter they different times they took us over to the Hubble house they were like our parents age or older perhaps grandparents to the children perhaps and uh, I can remember he was a professing Christian but uh, I've always appreciated as before we ate he he prayed an audible prayer and uh, it always it always impressed me and encouraged me in that aspect So it's a mark of identity. Prayer is a mark of identity. Do I pray enough? You know, it, uh, you know, you think of Daniel, that's another biblical example, a mark of identity who prayed toward Jerusalem, opened his window as before time, regardless of what the decree of the king was. It was a mark of identity. He was not going to let uh, the fear of man intimidate him to uh, affect his communication with his God. A mark of identity. The second point is it's an activity of the first believers and turning back further in the book of Acts to Acts chapter 1. I'd like to read verses 1 through 14 here. This is as the Lord was departing from this earth, His earthly ministry. You know, when Jesus was among His disciples, they could communicate freely. Freely. And talk and ask questions, and he taught them lessons. But now he was leaving, and we do not have him physically in his presence in our service here this morning. We believe spiritually he's here, in in a spirit form. God sees, God knows, but uh, you know we cannot tangibly see him sitting here necessarily. The disciples, I believe, were, were uh, in verse 11, it talks about them gazing, and they stood there and watched him leave. I, I don't know what all was going through their minds as their beloved friend was leaving them. And, uh, well, let me read verse uh, Acts 1, verse 1. This form of treatise have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive, after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath made, hath put in his own par, but ye shall receive par. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud and received out of their sight. And they, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And verse 11, while also, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go to heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, the Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they were, went up into an upper room, whereabout both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the sea Lotus and Judas, the brother of James. Now notice verse 14, and then these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So we see it as a clear, it was probably the first prayer meeting after the Lord departed from this earth. Uh, So it's an activity of the first believers. Turning back to Matthew chapter 18. I'm I'm focusing primarily on, on our collective prayer service here this morning. Certainly we all have... Our, our private prayer, communication with God, that's important. But what I'm thinking of this morning is is, is our worship in prayer. You know, what, what happens when we pray collectively as a group? Uh, what should happen? Uh, Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. Notice verse 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I believe according to to these verses that I read, that there's clearly, uh, there's par in unified prayer together. uh, According to verse 18. And verse 19. There's par in unified prayer as a group. I believe the range is infinite from personal to maybe church growth questions. And I I think this was mentioned the other evening after our men's meeting. You know, we we were looking at church expansion, church growth. And, uh, you know, is it front burner issue on our prayer requests? Uh, We want the Lord's will. We've we've all identified with that. Uh, How to proceed? What's the proper way to go? How do we know what the Lord's will is? Well, there's, I believe God can use the brotherhood. God uses the resources that are in his kingdom to build his kingdom. And it certainly needs to be, as we think of, uh, you know, the requests that we share from time to time. That was another thing I had penciled in the back of my Bible. I have just numerous quotes uh, one of the one of the quotes, and I don't know where I picked it up from. It said, "Sometimes the best answer God can give is is an unanswered unanswered prayer." We sometimes pray and request the wrong things. God maybe has something better. It, it's better if God doesn't. It's better if He doesn't answer what we're, we're requesting. There may be something better in mind, and we may see it as the best option today. Be you know, with our finite vision, but God has something so much better in mind. I think Ellis mentioned that in a Sunday school lesson. Uh, you know, praying for healing. Uh, is that always the best? You know, how, we, we like to think it's the best. From our perspective, we think it's the best, but maybe it isn't the best. Uh, that's why we, we pray God's will. And, and I believe in sincerity, we we all want God's will. And we want God's will in, in relation to our church growth, expansion, whatever we decide as a group. I'm confident that we will arrive at, at something that's, Uh, glorifying to God, something that's pleasing to him and yet is practical and that's beneficial to uh, what we believe are the principles of church structure. Is that too wordy? (laughs) That that wasn't written down. That was just coming out as I was talking. But I have confidence in that. But I, I was impressed with the idea of of the, the verses there in Matthew, the power that is available to us if we if we access that as, as a group unified together, praying for God's will and a desire to understand God's will. It was an activity of the first believers, and I believe we need to continue on with that activity. How is it with us here at Prairie? Is it a functional activity? Is it is, a, is it a viable activity? Do we pray together in unity? The third point I believe it pleases God when He sees His people praying to Him. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 3 through 16. I'm sorry, verses 13 through 16, Hebrews 4. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points. Tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Notice verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. couple of things here. First of all, verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Okay, so God already knows everything, right? God knows my problems. God knows your problems. He knows our church problems. Uh, God knows everything. It's open. Why do we pray? Uh, I think this was mentioned too in the Sunday school lesson. Uh, You know, it's not prayer isn't our telling God what He doesn't know. It's rather an affirmation from us to God that we need to know what His will is. We need to understand what His will is. We don't know. We're finite. We can't see the beginning from the end like God says He can God knows the beginning from the end. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen next year. God knows all of that. It says everything is, is open before him with whom we have to do. And then it goes on, seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. That's who we're praying to this morning. And always, he's in the heavens. He's at, he's at the right hand throne of God interceding in our behalf. And he's, he's our advocate, he's our lawyer, he's our go-between. We have not a high priest which can, in essence, can be, well, he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And he was tempted at all points like as we are. We may sometimes be tempted or be lured by Satan to think that you're unique, you're different. Nobody else faces problems like you do. That's a, that's a false deception of Satan. God understands us. God has created us. God has designed us. And he's, Jesus is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That expression of coming boldly to the throne of grace reminds me of the Old Testament experience of Esther. You know, when she, was it uh, Hazarias? Was that the king? thing you know after she was made queen and uh you know the children of israel's life was at stake you know she was instructed that she needs to do something and she was reminded that you are come to this position for this specific time but it was gonna it it required putting her life on the line she went into the presence of the king and you know unless he would have held unless her 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 uh presence into the king unless he held out that scepter acknowledging her would have cost her her life had he not extended that scepter to her but you know that's not the kind of god we serve god i believe always has his scepter pointed out to us as children he desires us to come to him with our requests so here was esther in the old testament had a request That needed to be dealt with. The lives of her relatives and and the children of Israel depended on her interceding in their behalf. And she risked her life so very, very uh, beautifully. And uh, God was successful in working through her, using her as a channel. And we see this somewhat that same picture depicted here of coming boldly to the throne of grace that we... May obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Who of us here this morning doesn't have a need? We have needs. Uh, I think the mention was made in Sunday school lesson that we have, we have lots of wealth. We have, lot, we can do lots of things. But you know, that all gets, that all get, that all gets away. <laughs> and and you know, until it's all set and done, we have needs that we need God for that money can't buy. And uh, I don't care what your standard of living is; we still have needs. There's there's the social needs, friendship. There's spiritual needs. You know, money money really doesn't. Well, maybe I better back up. Money can buy your friends, but not the kind of friends you want. <laughs> They'll suck you dry, usually. <clears throat> so it pleases God when we pray, when we come to Him. Remember. Don't hesitate. God always has His scepter extended and waiting for you to come into His presence and pour out your heart to Him. Collectively as a group, share your needs with Him. Well, fourthly, it's a responsibility that we have to each other, I believe. Going to the book of James chapter 5, A lot of these verses are familiar verses that have to do with prayer but again i'm focusing on how how they relate together as as a group and 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 group prayer james chapter 5 beginning at verse 13 go to now ye that say i'm sorry i remember chapter 4 chapter 5 is any among you afflicted let him pray Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months and he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit brethren if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins well the responsibilities we have to each other it, it, in this passage of Scripture here that I read in James, it mentions, uh, I believe uh, it mentions sickness, mentions physical sickness, It mentions spiritual uh, uh, sickness, illness, spiritual uh, being lost. Verse 15 it talks about the prayer of faith. What is the prayer of faith? Uh, how would you describe the prayer of faith? And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if ye have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Well, a prayer of faith, I believe, is an expression of a believer, a child of God, in the God that is able to do anything and everything. It's our faith in in that God. Uh, Again, does it take, and this comes from Brother Samuel Yoder, and he often said, does it take more faith to believe that God could heal and doesn't heal as it does to believe that that God can heal and did heal? Does it take any more faith? Uh, really, it, it takes the same amount of faith or almost more faith to believe that God could heal and chooses not to heal. I was always impressed with that thought. Uh, a challenge. God heals in different ways. Sometimes God heals by removing that person's life in a sense that is healing and we, you know, our our, our viewpoint, our, our view is so temporal and short and, you know, I've never really faced death right close up uh, so I, maybe I'm unseasoned, I, I, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, I hope I hope that if I do face terminal illnesses or tragedies of one sort or another that I can my faith my prayer to God would be a prayer of faith that I know that God could change the problem fix the problem in whatever way he chooses fit and I'm still trusting him I'm still believing in him cause he knows what's best and I'm counting on you to remind me of that okay is that a fair deal Jeremiah you'll be around a lot longer than I am, I think well I don't know (laughs) <laughs> that's an assumption. So it's a responsibility we have to each other to pray. It it, uh, it talks about praying for the sick, praying with the sick, anointing them with oil. And that's, a, that's an ordinance that we as a church probably, I don't know if there's other, well, there would be other Anabaptist churches would, or Oriented Baptist churches would observe that. I don't know if there's other beliefs, other faiths would believe, faiths that would practice anointing with oil or not. Verse 16, I wanted to just pick that out. It says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, what do you think about when you think effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man? Well, I guess first of all, I'll start with the righteous man. We need to be righteous. We, make, we need to make sure that we are right with God. Uh, then talks about effectual and fervent. Uh, persistence, continuing. Uh, one commentator talked about as a, a runner in a race, reaching forward, giving it all he's got. And, and as he comes to that finish line, he, he's almost leaning to break that string, that crossing finish line. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Do we believe that this morning by faith. Fifth point, we need to be careful that we do not become weary in praying. Just backing up to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This comes after we have the Christian's armor listed. And after we have the conflict, the spiritual conflict that's described there in verses 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're in a spiritual conflict this morning, whether you realize it or not. There are souls, never dying souls here in this building. Uh, Dennis mentioned last Sunday, he said, where's prayer going to end up? And that's something we need to keep in focus. There's a spiritual conflict, spiritual warfare. We dare not become weary in praying. It says, always watching, perseverance, and supplication for all men, even President Obama. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 and 18. Very short verse, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God wants us to pray without ceasing, giving thanks. Even when we don't feel like, and I believe we need to give thanks to God, even when the glasses land up in the bottom of the lake, can we give thanks? Uh, well, it may be hard, we may say foolish. Uh, there's a reason, a purpose, I don't understand it, but... Uh, sixth point as we think of praying in our worship service group prayer audibly you know we're, we're leading others in our worship experience you know maybe the thoughts are coming from my mind uh, the words are coming out of my mouth but you know other people are listening so it needs to be audible that they can follow along it has you know there's, there's that connection that's made between us as we have audible prayer should be you know it's it's why do we shut our eyes when we pray? Anybody, any children? Why do we shut our eyes? Anybody want to volunteer? It's just a habit. Okay, it it keeps us hopefully from getting distracted. Now, if we could shut our the minds, the eyes of a mind that easy, you know. Then we'd have a good thing going, and we've all probably uh you know been caught in that trap that you know if we're careful we uh, uh, i know i uh, I heard just recently that uh, you know children say so and so had their eyes open well, how do you think they knew <laughs> uh, no it's it's, it's it's'' it's it's a simple thing, but it's a good practice i believe so shut our eyes, pray audibly out loud uh You know, don't let the word flow bother you. You each have our personal styles of prayer. We each have our personal ways of expressing ourselves. Uh, You know, you're not praying to your brother beside you or your sister. Uh, You're praying to God. And maybe sometimes we are self-conscious about how we pray. Uh, But you know, God understands. God understands our hearts. You know, I had to think of the example of Hannah. It was that last Sunday? You know, there she was praying in the in the tabernacle, and uh, Sam uh, Eli, thank you. Uh, Eli accused her of being drunk. You know, and uh, but you know, did that matter that Eli? You know, she of course told Eli. You know, she poured out her heart to God, and God understood. God understood what she was praying. God understood her heart. Uh... Someone has said that tears and prayers are two things that, that will move heaven's forces uh, to meet the needs of his people. Tears and, and prayers. Think about that. Well, the seventh point that I have, that we've all heard this for families. I'd like to suggest this morning that the church that, the church that prays together stays together. Philippians chapter 4 Verses 6 and 7, two verses. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's what I want for us here at Prairie. Uh, It says, uh, be careful for nothing. I believe that's saying, don't hold anything back. Share your requests, they may be personal requests, they may be whatever requests, uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the promise, the peace of god that 's where that 's what I want our experience to be here. I want the peace of God to reign in our in our body as as a church, the peace of God which passes understanding all understanding goes beyond what my understanding is goes beyond beyond what your understanding is. It, it it goes beyond everything he'll keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus someone has you know it's it's easy to get self focused in praying in in praying what we want we think it should be this way we think it should be that way or we pray for this or we pray for that someone pointed out to me that actually in in the model prayer that Jesus gave to us you know the lord's prayer and we're not looking at that here this morning this is my last point because so I do want to spend just a few minutes in prayer uh, Jacob would you collect the prayer requests uh, someone has pointed out to me actually in the model prayer that Jesus had that in the Lord's prayer there's actually no personal pronouns in that, in that prayer it's all, it's all uh, we are us and uh, I, I thought that was kind of impressive as I thought about that the church that prays together stays together you know where is our focus Our focus as we pray, as we desire to know the Lord's will in regards to, you know, we've got an ordination coming up, we've got building plans. uh, Our desire is to to know not what I want, not what you want, but what the Lord's will is. And uh, I think that's, I think Jesus was telling us something in the Lord's prayer. It's our focus needs to be on what God wants. And I believe, I have confidence this morning that that's uh, each of your desires too. So think about that. You know, prayer can become kind of, well, okay, we have the devotional, we have the prayer, and then we dismiss for Sunday school class, and then we go ahead and bring them up here, Jacob. And uh, you know, it's, it's kind of routine, and that's why I thought, well, I'll mix things up just a little bit this morning. We didn't have prayer meeting last week. Uh, we're not having prayer meeting this week. That doesn't mean you can't pray personally, but uh, you're all pretty good students. Wow. I think we're good to go for a couple weeks here. I'm not sure I'm gonna handle this. This exceeded my expectations. Well, <laughs> Praise the Lord! You know, someone did say, and I was gonna mention this that. Uh, You know, the prayers of a congregation are an indication of the spiritual growth or the spiritual vitality of a congregation. So this is encouraging, very encouraging. Thank you. I'm going to see if some of these maybe can be combined here. I think we're going to just have to pick a few, though, and... uh, I'm just going to combine a couple of these here um, I'm going to hand these out uh, some of these can be combined uh, Would someone volunteer to remember our youth and also each other else uh, um, also this one's come up at prayer meeting uh, Nate Cleola's daughter Rose has cancer. Have you heard? Is there any update on her, Cleola? Any update on on Rose? She had surgery this week. On Rose? Any update? No, I don't know too much. Okay. Remember that request? Uh, Rose, Nate and Rose, that's Cleola's daughter and also her, uh, your brother? Yeah, my brother Julia, my sister, she had diabetes and somehow she's losing some of her children area and subject. Mm-hmm. Okay. Someone wanna volunteer? Kenny? Or Gary rather? Thank you. someone want to remember us as a congregation uh, especially as we think of uh, expansion and ordinations or the ordination next uh, month in October Dan someone re- want to remember Dennis he's uh, having rival meetings starting either tonight or Monday Monday night at Pleasant Valley anyone Dwight okay um, Okay, the uh, TJ, the former Muslim converted uh, was that someone from Chicago? TJ? I'm not sure who gave it I was thinking that name came up here before, maybe not uh, now in his home area you're working with his people someone I want to remember TJ, former Muslim thank you. Uh, let's see here, I think we've covered most of them okay there's uh, one, a couple others here uh, uh, Vernon and Sharon Martin marriage problems anyone volunteer to remember that Dawn okay. uh, also a prayer for wisdom uh, especially as it relates to uh, suffering and struggling in life and also uh, for wisdom in training our children someone will remember that Kenny. Okay. Okay. If you didn't take a request, um, okay. Nathan and, and Dawn Martin. nuttons come up in our prayer meetings too. Uh, maybe I'll close with that one uh, at the conclusion. And uh, so, just take your. If you get your requests, or just pray however you feel led, and I'll close after an appropriate time. So just bow and close your eyes. Let's pray.
1: Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning to thank you that you're here with us and that you care about us and that you wish to communicate with us as your, as your creation and your people. You know us better than we can ever know ourselves or anyone else. So we desire for you to continue to work in our lives and in our daily experience so that we can be lights and witnesses and examples for you. Be with each of us in the congregation here that you would help us to make wise decisions, wise choices, help us in the struggles and trials that we face from day to day, and help us to rely on you and follow you. Lord, we thank you for our youth, our young people. We admire them as they make correct choices. We cringe when we see the times that they're growing up in. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would keep them close to yourself, that you would draw them, that you would bless them as they serve you, and be with them as they face choices and decisions in this world, that you would help them to make decisions that would be eternally valuable. We pray again your blessing on them, and we thank you for each of them. We thank you that they're an encouragement to us, and we pray that that, uh, each of us, uh, as we relate with them, could be an encouragement to them as well. In Jesus' name.
2: Father, we thank you for this of prayer that you uh, you care about us and you want to hear our needs and our uh, thanksgiving and praise that we have to offer to you. We thank you that you already know what we are thinking before we ask you and tell you, but we thank you that you also like to hear from us. We want to pray for our church as we move forward in uh, ordination this fall and the church expansion that we're looking into. Lord, I just pray that we would all work together as a body, and that we would uh, put aside our personal uh, desires and personal opinions, and that we would move forward as, as a body, and I pray that you would give us wisdom and direction as we look into different options, and I pray for the uh, ordination that you would prepare the one that you have chosen, and that uh, we would bless him with uh, direction. That uh, you would continue to um, work in our congregation here. We thank you for.
3: church and they would uh, listen to you and listen uh, to your, your word being brought forward uh, to them.
0: our loving father this morning we thank you for this body of believers thank you lord for this time of praise worship and prayer we can have together pray father that we would our focus would be off of ourselves and on you we realize that you understand things so much better than we do. You know what's best for us as a congregation. We want to trust our uh, plans and, and uh, our uh, needs to you. And uh, may our trust and faith be anchored firmly in you, regardless of what we experience in the uh, future. Pray, Lord, for uh, Nathan and Don Martin and their family this morning as he faces cancer. Uh, probably looks very uncertain and uh, very. Uh, uh, many questions Lord but we know that uh, you have the answer you have the hope for us as your children help them Lord to look to you for strength and courage and to uh, be with those that are around them and close to them that they could be an encouragement to them and a help to them to remain true and uh, even though uh, there may be fears and apprehensions Lord but that they could be uh, find their trust in you unshaken pray Lord you would uh, Be with us today. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. Thank you, Lord, for this time of worship and fellowship. We could be an encouragement to one another to continue faithful unto the end. And all praise and glory be to you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.